Do your kids want more Mystery Kids episodes? Are you sick of the same ones playing every single day? Well, we have the perfect place for you. Head over to become a Patreon today. For $5 a month, you'll get two more bonus episodes, plus episodes that are already in Patreon. Episodes like The Deepest Hole on Earth, The Great Emu War in Australia of 1932, The Bombing of Hawaii's Volcano, The Dancing Plague, The Ohio Grassman, and some animal fact episodes about the pangolin, the ai the axolotl, and the taipan, plus much, much more. This makes a wonderful birthday present for your kids and gives you way more to talk about as a family, which is the whole point of the Mystery Kids podcast. So for $5 a month, you can get two more bonus episodes plus all the past episodes. To become a patron, go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com backslash Mystery Kids Pod and sign up today. Thank you so much for your support. This week on the Mystery Kids podcast, we'll be talking about the strange 1904 Olympic Games. Welcome to Mystery Kids podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Mystery Kids podcast. We are so grateful to have you here yet again for another episode. And this one should make you laugh and maybe be in shock a few times. It's a really funny one that I came across and I found a great telling of it from another podcast that is the Useless Information Podcast, which I might need to listen to more of because I love me some good useless information. Quickly, before we jump into this episode, I wanted to remind you to make sure you sign up on the form so you can get your birthday shout out. Um, We've got April coming up this week, and I want to make sure I can shout out to as many birthdays as possible. All right, to be ready for this fun and crazy episode. So we usually have this thought or this picture in our minds of what the Olympics are really like. They're these huge games and hosting cities go out of their way to make sure they're most beautiful and glamorous and everything is going to run really smoothly. I remember when the Olympics Games came to Salt Lake City. Um, it's that I'm from Utah and it was in 2002. Was it in 2001? I can't remember. 2001 or 2002. And our whole state did everything we could so we could prepare for this beautiful, beautiful Olympic Games. And was stunning and fun. And it was great to see all these people from around the world come and travel to Utah. So that's what we think of when we picture the Olympic Games. But when you go back to the 1904 Olympic Games, they were hosted in St. Louis, Missouri, and they were the Summer Olympics. And these games were only held um, for the summer. They weren't actually winter games yet. Um, Those weren't added until 1924. So at this point in time, the Summer Games, this was only the third Summer Games that was ever held. So it was brand new, and they were trying to figure out what it looked like. The original games were held in 1990 or 1896 at Athens and then in 1900 it was in Paris. So the third winter games or the third summer games was hosted in St. Louis, Missouri in America and it was not as put together as the Olympics as we know today. 
And while the Olympic Games are usually known for people traveling around the world and it's a huge international competition, um, it was really expensive to travel travel overseas from Europe at the time. So the competition at that point in time was mostly of Americans and Canadians. So there were 681 athletes that competed and 525 were from the United States. During that time, though, the Olympics were not intended to be a competition um, among all the nations. It was just a competition among amateur athletes from around the world. And it was the job of the amateur athletes to find his way to the games at his own expenses. So it wasn't a big deal if all the nations didn't come at that point because it was more of a showcase of the amateur um, Olympians at that time. Whereas today, the Olympians are like the best of the best and they've trained for it. And usually it's funded by the country that they are in. So really, the Olympics weren't that big of a deal at the time, okay? They were originally scheduled to actually take place in Chicago, which to me makes a little bit more sense than St. Louis. But it was President Roosevelt at the time who really wanted the games to be held in St. Louis because of the Louisiana Purchase. Um, And the World Exposition was being held there at the same time. And that's where they were showcasing the newest technology in the whole world. So they were um, showcasing electricity, automobiles, airplanes, all of this new technology at this World Exposition that was being held in St. Louis. So they're like, hey, let's do this. It's going to be at the same time. So the exposition organizers built a permanent gymnasium and a stadium with enough seats to hold about 35,000 spectators, which really sounds like a lot of people, about 35,000. That's a lot of people. But they were estimating that about 20 million people actually attended the exposition during its six months run. So truly not as many Um, could come all at once to this event. So the entire event lasted Monday, August 29th to Saturday, September 3rd, 1904. There were no events scheduled for Friday. So the entire series of the Olympic Games lasted for just five short days. So it was a very quick and brief Olympic game run. It sounds like this is going to be great, right? They've planned for it. They've built this stadium. They, they've already had people coming to the other event. So they're like, this is going to run perfectly. You know what? No, it did not run perfectly. This was considered an absolute disaster. So during that time, um, they did not see people as the same. So if you had a different colored skin, you were known to be a minority and you actually had to compete in a total separate game. Um, And they were known as anthropology days. And those days were held on August 12th and August 13th. And these games were meant for these people to face against each other. And it wasn't supposed to be like a civilized tribe. Now we've learned that that's actually not a thing that no matter your color of skin, you are the same that humans are the exact same thing. But during that time, it wasn't the same. And so they were doing different games. Okay, they were doing mud fighting, rock throwing, pole climbing, spear throwing, all different things that are typically not uh, in the Olympics today. So on top of that whole separate thing, which was a horrible idea in itself, 
it gets worse. So in the swimming, Hungary's main swimmer, um, I would try to say his name, but I would absolutely kill it. He won the 100 meter and the 50 meter freestyle. And originally, he, the man from Hungary, he beat the American J. Scott Leary by just one foot in the 50 meter event. So just by one foot, he beat out the American player. However, the American judge ruled that Leary had won, who was the man from America. And this ruling resulted in a brawl or a fight between the two. So the judges ordered a rematch, which the Hungarian ended up winning in the second time. So they weren't able to like look back, check the tapes, do anything else, but they just made them play again because the judges were in a fight about it. An American gymnast named George Easter won two gold, two silver, and one bronze medal at the games, which is really a big deal when you consider the fact that he had only one real leg. His other leg was of solid wood. His leg was actually amputated when he was run over by a train. But yeah, he was able to win two golds, two silver, and one bronze at these games. That's crazy. You can really do anything you put your mind to. Here comes the best part of the entire Olympics, the marathon. So they decided to hold the marathon instead of earlier in the morning, they decided to hold it in the midday, which um, if you've been to Missouri, um, I have not would love to go there. Actually, I have been there. I lie. I was only 16 and it was during the summer and they have this thing called humidity. Okay. So it was really humid, super hot. It was a 90 plus degree day and they were going to do the 40 kilometer course, which started with five laps around the stadium track. So the runners then left the stadium and they went on this dusty, unpaved course that took them up and down over seven different hills. So this path, it was marked by red flags that were that showed them the way to go. There's also a bunch of horsemen that would clear the trail and the way, and they were followed by doctors, judges, and reporters in the newly invented automobiles. So they were there was a constant cloud of dust kicking up in the runners' faces, and they were literally forced to eat dust as they went on this long run. The first man that finished the race was Fred Lors from New York City. He completed the race in just over three hours time. And when he entered the stadium, the crowd roared with excitement. Photographs were taken of Pre- President Roosevelt's daughter, Alice, placing this wreath over Lawrence's head. Just as they were about to put this medal, this gold medal, give him his medal, they found out that he had been spotted in an automobile. It seemed as though he had been suffering from cramps in his legs, so he hitched a ride at the nine-mile point. He then rode in a vehicle for another 11 miles, at which point the car overheated and broke down. He waved at the spectators and the fellow runners along the way. So he was now rejuvenated from his ride, and he decided to run the rest of the race. So He never meant to fool anyone. He just couldn't resist the praise of the roaring crowd. So he was immediately banned from for life from 
any competitions. And this ban was lifted a year later, which allowed him to win the Boston Marathon, which was hopefully closely watched. So who ended up winning? It was actually a British-born man named Thomas Hicks who ran for an American team. So Hicks ran the race in about three and a half hours. And when he ran into the stadium, the crowd was less enthusiastic because they already thought someone had won, but he got disqualified. So little Alice Roosevelt went again to pose with the winner, but she couldn't because Hicks had to be carried off the tracks. He begged to lie down about 10 miles from the finish line. And instead, his trainers gave him an oral dose of this mix into like raw, raw egg whites to keep him going. But this wasn't enough. They had to give him several more doses as well as brandy so that he could keep going. And by the end of the race, Hicks had to actually be supported by two of his trainers so that he could cross the finish line. So he was carried over the finish line while his feet just moved back and forth. So Hicks was actually really close to death's door. It took four doctors to get him good enough shape just to leave the grounds, eventually falling asleep on the trolley. So Hicks was not doing well. Okay, this isn't the end, though. There was another entrant, which was a Cuban postman named Felix. And once Felix heard about the marathon, he announced he was going to run. He had no money, so he quit his job and he went into fundraising business. He ran around the central square of Havana and jumped on a soapbox pleading for donations. He repeated kept doing this until he raised the necessary cash for him to be able to go to this competition. So on the way to this race, Felix managed to lose all of his money in a gambling game in New Orleans. And as a result, he had to hitchhike the rest of the way to the games. So it, and again, hitchhiking is not like it would be today. Hitchhiking is when you get into someone else's car. Don't ever do this ever. Um, but he would just get into multiple cars until someone took him all the way there. The problem with this, though, was the automobile was kind of a new invention, so there weren't many automobiles, so it took him a long time to get there. So when he arrived at the games, he didn't have any type of running gear, and the officials were actually forced to postpone the start of the marathon for several minutes while he cut <laughs> cut off his shirt and the legs of his pants so he could run the race, and he ran the race in street shoes instead of running shoes. And Felix didn't really seem to fatigue easy. Um, he was really good at running and can continually keep going, and as he constantly conversed with the crowd, he even would run backwards at times. So keeping in with this crazy, crazy story, he blew his chance at winning because he got hungry. So Felix first ate some peaches that he stole from a race official, and then he took a detour <laughs> into an orchard to munch on some green apples, which was a big mistake because it gave him stomach cramps and he temporarily had to drop out of the marathon. Eventually, Felix got back to the race and managed to come into fourth place, and he actually would have won if he wouldn't have gotten so hungry. It's not over. There's still more. So the marathon included the first two black African males to compete in the competition. Okay, so one was named Len and one was named Jan. The only problem was that these two men were not in town to complete during the Olympics. They were actually the sideshow. 
Yeah, they were imported by the exposition as part of the Boer War exhibit. Len actually finished in ninth and Jan actually came in 12th place. And it was very much a disappointment because he would have gotten better scores if they'd not been chased by a dog nearly a mile off the course. So these two amazing men were running this race and they got chased by a dog literally a mile off the course. Oh, but we're not done with this wonderful marathon. So it seems that two of the patrolling officials driving in a brand new automobile were forced to swerve to avoid hitting one of the runners. And they ended up going down an embankment and were severely injured. So there was a car crash also. In the end, the St. Louis Olympics, along with the previous Paris Games, proved to be such a disaster that the Olympics Committee were forced to hold an interim game, Olympic Games in 1906 at Athens in an attempt to re- revive the flagging Olympic movement. So these games were not numbered, but were attended, attended by 20 countries and put the Olympics back on the steady course to success. So this could have totally derailed the Olympics and we wouldn't have even had the Olympics today if not for the 1906 Athens Games to make things a little bit better. Okay, so some little notes that I thought were kind of funny that the Useless Information podcast talked about was um, (laughs) Ice-T made its debut at the 1904 exposition, um, and it was so hot during the expo that the staff of the Far East Tea House couldn't even give away their products. So no one wanted hot tea, and that's when iced tea became really popular because it was over 90 degrees, and of course, you don't want some hot tea during that time. You'd rather have some iced tea. So they poured the hot tea over ice cubes, and it became the expo's most popular beverage. A teenager named Arnold was selling ice cream at his exposition booth, and he ran into a big problem. He ran out of the paper dishes to serve the ice cream in. In a stroke of pure genius, he noticed that the guy next to his booth, a Syrian named Ernest, was selling waffles. So Arnold rolled one of Ernie's wafer-thin waffles up, and he invented the ice cream cone. And within 10 years, more than one-third of all ice cream was served in a cone. Crazy little stories that make this story even better. Porter's ponderings about the 1904 Olympic Games. Would you ever want to compete in the Olympics? What sport or event would you want to compete in? What do you think is the craziest thing that happened at these events? Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at the mystery kids podcast. And if you want to check out books, I actually found a kid's book named the wildest race ever. Um, You can find it on Amazon and it was specifically about the 1904 Olympic um, marathon. So make sure to check that out. I will have that linked in the show notes below. And also don't forget our podcast um, website, mysterykidspodcast.com has 
tons and tons of books for each episode so you can dive in even deeper and do that research that I know that you want to do. So thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time on the Mystery Kids podcast. Thanks for listening.